Um, the message this morning is entitled, The Things That We Forget. Now, forgive me for those of you who have already heard this story, but I'm going to tell it again because two weeks ago, something really interesting happened to me. It was a regular Sabbath. I was on my way to church. I had packed the breakfast for the teens in the car. I was thinking about the songs we were going to sing for the praise team. I was thinking about a sermon I was going to be preaching the very next week. And I just left my house thinking it was a normal day, a normal Sabbath headed here. And I got into a lane where I was gonna make a left turn, two lanes that turn left, and I waited for the green arrow, like I do every single week. And the arrow turned green, I was next to a big truck in my little Nissan Sentra, the arrow turned green, and I started to go forward into the intersection and turn left. But then something happened, and it happened so quickly, I didn't really know how to respond to it. The car, the big truck on my left, I couldn't see around it, but it slammed on its brakes, And I wasn't really sure why, so I kept going into the intersection. And when I looked up as I turned around this big truck, I saw this big white Toyota Tundra headed straight toward me. I'm turning left and it's coming this way. And in that split second, it's amazing because I've read that our minds can think about 1,300 thoughts per second. I can't tell you all 1,300 thoughts, but I can tell you a few. I'll tell you the top three. The first one was, this is gonna hurt. That was the first one. The second one was, I'm going to die. I saw this truck coming and it looked like it was coming right from my door. And the thought that came to my mind was, this is it. I'm gonna die, it's over. And the third thought was, it's too soon. That there were, that I I believed that God had more things to do with my life and that God hadn't just brought me here to be at Benita for five months and you know I was gonna get married and I have all these plans and things and I'm like God it was too soon and in after that split second the truck hit me and my car went squealing across the intersection pieces of it flew everywhere and finally when it stopped I realized it didn't hurt I didn't die I still have more time, praise God. Um, Yesterday, I went to go um, sign over my car to the auto club. This is what happened. Um, It doesn't actually look too bad, but my car was actually totaled. Um, It costs more to fix it than it would to just get a new one, I guess. Um, And so they allowed me to take it. I decided to take a picture to show you that this happened, but I really feel like what God did was he held me in the palm of his hand, he just protected me and let me be okay because the next morning when I woke up, I hardly even had any soreness. And I realized that God had preserved my life, but something that really struck me that day was that that morning when I was leaving my apartment, I had no idea that my life could have been over that day. I had completely forgotten that each one of us has a certain number of days that only God knows. And we never know when we wake up to that last day, when we wake up to a day that will be our last, and we have no control over that. And I think that's one of the main things we forget. The number one thing that we forget in life is that we forget that one day we will die. We forget that our lives have an end. And we're not supposed to remember that just so that we can be sad and think about dying all the time. But because when we recognize we only have a certain number of days to live, it completely changes how we live our lives. Doesn't it? 
I recently found out that the average American lives to about 78 years old, which means that the average person has about 28,470 days to live. So if you're 15 and you live to 78, then you have 22,995 days left, all right? If you're 60, you have a little bit less. You have 6,570. But I have noticed that Adventists tend to live a little bit longer, so we have that in our favor. If you're 45, you have about 12,045 days. That's 12,045 sunrises and sunsets. 12,045 chances to be everything that God has put you on this earth and called you to be. That many days. But question, what if it's less? What if we only have 300 or 200? Or what if we only had one day? How would that change the ways that we live our lives? How would that affect everything that we do? We just finished Thanksgiving. And a question is, if that was our last Thanksgiving, would we have been proud of how we lived it? Would we really have given that day a chance to thank God, made a space for that day outside of just eating, outside of the activities that we had to do, to really and truly glorify God? And why is it so important to remember that we have only a certain number of days left? Jesus tells us in Luke 6, He tells us a story of somebody who forgot this most important lesson. And as we look at it, see if maybe you can identify some of yourself in it, because I certainly can see myself. We're in Luke chapter 12. Right before this, in Luke chapter 12, verses 1 through 12, Jesus is telling the disciples and the people who are there really great things. He's telling them the secrets of heaven. He's opening up mysteries. He's talking about what the Holy Spirit is gonna do in their lives. He's opening up a picture for them and for us today of what life can look like when we follow him, what life can look like when we follow the Spirit. And in the middle of all of these deep and profound truths, somebody in the crowd raises their hand and interrupts with this question. He says, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. All right, Jesus is delivering these amazing truths. And what this man wants is money. Because in the Jewish culture, when, when a father were to pass away, the oldest brother would get two portions of the inheritance, a double portion, and everybody else would just get one portion. And what this man wants is he wants his brother to have the same amount that he gets. He says, Jesus, excuse me, I know that you're talking about the mysteries of the kingdom. I know you're talking about how we're supposed to live our lives, but can you stop for a second and can you settle my problems with money? Jesus is saying something so important and this man is distracted. How many of us walked into church today distracted? How many of us every morning, myself included, walk past our Bibles knowing that Jesus has a message for us, deep, eternal truths, and we're distracted? We are distracted by the things going on in our lives with our jobs and with school. We're distracted with the things that we're stressed out about and we're like, Jesus, can you stop telling me the important stuff and please just deal with the problem that I have for you? And this is what Jesus says to this man. He says to him, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Jesus says, if you're distracted today, If the things of this world have caught your attention, be careful. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Now, none of us likes to think that we're greedy people, right? 
But greed can have another definition. It can mean never being satisfied, always wanting more, always wanting one more thing, telling ourselves. It's the number one um, symptom of people who forget that their lives will end, telling themselves that after this happens, then I will be happy. When I can accomplish this, when I finally graduate from high school, when I finally graduate from college, when I finally get married, when I finally have children, when this happens and I have enough money in my bank account, then I will be happy. And what Jesus is saying is if your happiness and your joy comes from something that you deposit in the bank or something that you can hang up on your wall or something that you can write after your name, be careful. Because life does not consist in the abundance of possessions or in the abundance of status or esteem. Those things can't preserve our lives and they cannot make our lives full. Jesus is saying, be careful. And he goes on to tell a story of somebody who forgot that his days would end one day. And he says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So this man, he was already rich, he was already wealthy, and this year was a particularly blessed year. This year, the ground yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. It's a nice problem to have, right? I have so much money, I don't know where to put it. That's what he's saying. What should I do? I don't know where to put it. And then he says, this is what I'll do. I have an idea. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. The question I had when I read this was, if he had so much, why didn't he just give it away? Isn't that easier than tearing down all of his barns and building new ones? If any of you have ever been through any kind of home um, renovation, you know that it's not exactly stress-free to rebuild something. But then I realized the reason why he wanted to build more barns and store it was because he thought that if he was able to have that much grain, then he could finally be happy. He said, if I had enough, then I could be happy. And so my question for all of us this morning is, what is keeping us from being truly joyful, from being truly grateful? How would you answer this question? I will be happy. I will be grateful when, when what? When what? When what happens? This man thought that he would finally be joyful when he finally had enough grain, and then he could eat, drink, and be merry. But the sad thing is, is that eat, drink, and be merry because one day you'll die. That's not what Christians are supposed to believe. This is the creed of atheists, of people who believe that this earth is all that there is. It is not a good creed. It's not enough for people who were made to live in eternity with Jesus. It's not how we're supposed to view our short lives and what we're gonna do with it, not to strive for the next mountaintop just so that we can eventually stop and eat and drink and be merry and worry about nothing. Jesus says, I can take your worries. I have your future in my hands. Don't trust in your stuff. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. But this man forgot And in the midst of all of these things, in the midst of his distractions, for those of us, myself included, who are distracted and who think that joy and trusting God is just over the next mountain, God says something to this man that is really difficult. 
and really uncomfortable. And he speaks it to us when we forget. God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? A part of me heard that question in my mind when I got in the accident. As the car, afterwards I thought about it as the car was coming toward me, I spend a lot of my time worrying about things and just thinking about things for the future and wondering how it's going to work out. And I realized that if my life had ended that day, that would have been the words to my heart, you fool. You spent all this time worrying, all this time trying to control things that will never happen because your days ended today, you fool. And notice God doesn't say that this man is evil. God doesn't say that this man is wicked. God just says this man is foolish because he forgot, he forgot that God had put him on this earth for a purpose to do something special. And he had spent his time instead amassing possessions for himself. What was he going to do with all of that once he was gone? Who was going to get it? All of the money that we build up and all of the popularity and all of the things that we think are important, once we're gone, what can we actually take with us? Very little. And this is what Jesus says. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Jesus says in this game of life, you can play two ways. You can play to be rich toward this world. You can play for the degrees and the possessions in the house. You can play for the titles. And the truth is, God doesn't have problems with those things. I'm not trying to stand here and tell you that if you have a lot, you should feel guilty, and God doesn't want you to have those things. That's not the point. God is a blessing God. He pours out blessings on us. Isn't that true? Didn't we just celebrate the fact that he blesses us? He wants us to enjoy his blessings, but what he's saying is, that's not all that there is in this life. I don't want you to settle for being rich in this world. I don't want you to settle for being important. I don't want you to settle for what this world says is important to you. God says, I don't want you to play to be rich toward this world because everything that you earn, you will leave behind. God says, be rich toward me. Be rich toward God. What does that mean? What is important to God? What, what makes deposits in his bank in heaven? Jesus makes it really clear and really simple. The two things he wants us to do is to love him and from loving him to love others. He says the only things that you can take with you is the investments that you made in other people because you will see them again in the kingdom. God says love him, follow him, serve him, love others, make a difference that will last for eternity. This Thanksgiving, I'm sure that many of us sat around the table and we went around and said, um, tell me one thing that you're grateful for. And I'm sure something that we all had in common was that we said one of two things, or maybe both. We said, I'm grateful for my friends and I'm so grateful for my family. That is what I'm so grateful for. And the other thing I'm grateful for is that I'm grateful that God has saved me. But if we were to look at our calendars and we were to look at our checkbooks, we were to look where we spend our time and where we spend our money, would they tell us that those are the things that we value most in our lives? God is saying invest your time and invest your money in the things of my kingdom because those are the things that will last. Invest in people and invest in God and you will never be poor in his kingdom. 
be rich toward God. The number one thing that we forget in life is that we forget that we're going to die. But the second thing, and the thing that's really key to being rich toward God, is to remember. Remember that we're alive. We forget we'll die, but we also forget that we're alive right now. And God says, if you want to be rich toward me, here's how to do it. Be grateful. Have gratitude, not just one day a year, but every single day of the year. Because the thing that's interesting is so many times we're told to praise God. We're told to give him praise, to give him gratitude, as though it were a gift to him. God doesn't need our praise. God doesn't need our gratitude. It's not a gift that we give to him. It's a gift that he has given to us. Just like taste buds allow us to enjoy our food, gratitude is the taste buds that allows us to enjoy our lives. God says you are living this life every single day is a miracle, it's overtime, it's an unpurchased gift. Every single breath you take you are not entitled to, but you are alive right now. And if you wanna savor that life, you wanna savor being alive, then choose and spend that time being grateful. Look at your lives and ask yourselves, what is it in my life that I appreciate? What is it that God has given me? Because only then, only when we truly are grateful for what God has given us, that is when we are truly alive. All over in the Bible, it reminds us to praise God. Psalm 103 is one of my favorites, and it says, praise the Lord, my soul. Notice it doesn't say, praise the Lord, my mouth. Don't just talk about your praises. It says, praise the Lord, my soul, from the depths of everything that I am. Praise God. Praise his holy name. God has given us his name. He's allowed us to speak in authority in the name of Jesus. Praise his name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and never forget all the good that he has done. And so my question this morning is, has God been good to you? Has God been good to you this year? Has he done good in your life this year? Because what this psalm says is never forget. Never forget the good that he has done. Constantly praise him. And it even gives us examples if we can't remember anything that God has done for us this year. God forgives our sins. Just that in itself, do we, do we really think about what that means? By virtue of the things that we think and the way that we live, we have amassed a debt we can never repay. We can never be good enough. We can never make up for it. We could never deserve the kingdom or to have God come into our lives. But God has done it anyways. He has sent Jesus to come down and to pay that debt. He has sent Jesus to forgive our sins so that we can live in freedom, so that we don't have to live in, live in guilt. We don't have to live in shame. He has forgiven our sins. In his eyes, we're okay. In his eyes, he, see, he sees what he wants to make us in the future. He heals our diseases. Has anyone been healed this year? Do any of you know anybody in your family who has been healed from a disease? When things like diseases and car accidents happen, it makes it so clear that we have so little control over our lives. And it makes it so clear that God is the one who is in charge. He forgives our sins. He heals our diseases. He rescues our life from the pit. If anyone has been delivered from depression, if God has brought anybody through a difficult time, he has rescued you from the pit. 
And if you're in the middle of that pit even now, God is saying, I can reach down and I can rescue you from that. I will, and when I do, remember that it was me and be grateful. He crowns us with mercy and with compassion when what we deserve is judgment. He gives us mercy and compassion. And yet so many times we still struggle to be grateful. I read in an article recently that just as people who are hard of hearing have to hear sounds over a certain threshold before they can hear it, we also as humans can be hard of thinking. And apparently that means that events and things that occur in our lives and things that we receive have to be above a certain threshold before we're grateful for them. And that threshold is whatever it is we think we deserve. If something happens in our lives or we receive something we think we deserve, then we're not gonna be grateful for it. But you and I, we think we deserve so much, don't we? We think we earn everything, don't we? And this is what God says beyond the fact that he has given us every single breath to do everything that we do. Psalm 103 also reminds us that God has not treated us as we deserve for our sins or paid us back for our wrongs. That if we were to get everything that we deserve in this life and every single justice, we would have very little to nothing. The wages of sin is death. And if we're not dead, and if we live alive in Christ, then everything in our lives is above that threshold. God has not given us what we deserve. Everything he has given us is a gift. And our gratitude is the way that we enjoy that gift. And so today, if we find ourselves hard of thinking, if we find ourselves waiting for only one day a year to be grateful instead of remembering that we are alive every single day of the year, here are a few suggestions, things that I try and things that I challenge you to do today. The first is to remember what God has done in the past. What has God done for you this year? When we find ourselves the lowest and struggling the most to be grateful, this is the time to remember to remember what God has done in the past, to break out the old pen and pencil and write down 25 things in your life to be grateful for. And if you find yourself still struggling, write out 25 more. Remember what God has done in the past so that we can be grateful. And the second thing is to be grateful for the imperfect gifts in our lives. Yes, difficult things happen in our lives. Some of us have lost family members this year. We have lost jobs, we have lost money, we have struggled and our hearts have broken. Our lives are not perfect. They are gifts but they are not perfect. But God says if you want to truly savor life, then learn how to appreciate the imperfect gifts. To appreciate your family, even if there are one or two people in there that drive you crazy. To appreciate the things that you have, even if you wish it was one or two things more to appreciate everything in your life, perfect or imperfect, so that you can savor and get the joy out of every single thing in our lives. Mrs. White says it really simply and really clearly in This Day with God, chapter nine. She says, just believe and praise God and go forward. We are almost home. We're almost home. This earth is not our home. The things that we have in the homes that we live in, this is not our home, this is temporary. Our days are numbered, we don't know how many there are. One day we will die, 
But when that happens, the next thing that we will hear and the next thing we will see is Jesus coming for us. We are almost home. And in light of that, in light of the fact that we're almost home, then live your life, be alive. There is an enemy in this world who has come to steal and to kill and to destroy in your life. But Jesus has come that you can have abundant life. And to have that abundant life, we have to see it and appreciate it and live it. We have to believe his promises, just believe. We have to believe him when he says that he will make all things work out for good for those who love him. We have to believe him when he says he has a good plan for our lives, even when our eyes don't see it right now. She says, believe. Praise God in the middle of all of it. Praise him in the imperfect gifts. Praise him when the good things happen. Find reasons to praise him even when it's difficult. Believe, praise God. Go forward in your life to fulfill the purposes that he has put you on earth for this day and this time and this season. Believe, praise God, and go forward. We are almost home. As the band comes up to sing our last song, I want to share with you um, just one more story. A little girl once was sitting next to her mom, listening to a sermon. And just like maybe a few of you are thinking, she looks up and she goes, is this sermon done yet? And the mom turned to her daughter and she said, the sermon has been preached, but now you and I have to do it. So don't let this just be a message about being grateful. But even in your lives, even today, Remember what God has done and choose gratitude so that you can savor the life and remember that one day we will die, but today we are alive and that is a gift from God.